the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The Law Offices of Selwyn Whitehead is a debt relief agency under federal law and provides legal assistance to consumers seeking debt relief under the United States Bankruptcy Code. This is Selwyn's Law. Every week at this time, we get to hear from Selwyn Whitehead. She's not just an attorney at law. Selwyn knows her stuff and doesn't shy away from the truth, even when it's ugly. Her Bay Area practice focuses on helping her clients to manage their wealth through estate and tax planning, to managing their debt through reconstruction or bankruptcy. And now, it's time for Selwyn's Law. Okay, good day, and welcome once again to Selwyn's Law. My name is Selwyn Whitehead, and I'm a California Bar Admitted Attorney, and I'm also a Bankruptcy Law Certified Specialist who's been certified by the State Bar of California's Board of Legal Specialization. So in addition to my JD, I also hold a couple of master's degrees in law. That is to say, I'm a master of the laws of taxation law, as well as a master of the laws of intellectual property law. Now, both of my great degrees in law were obtained from my favorite alma mater, Golden Gate University School of Law, which is located in the beautiful city of San Francisco, California. Now, because of my training, my experiences, and my lifelong interest in business and money and finance and economics and wealth creation and wealth preservation and wealth transfer between generations and the roles that these particular aspects of economics play in the lives of everyday people like you and me, I primarily practice bankruptcy law. And I say again, yes, bankruptcy law. And it is about wealth creation and wealth preservation and wealth transfer. Because in my opinion, bankruptcy is but the opposite side of the two-headed coin that is all about personal and professional entrepreneurship and wealth creation and wealth preservation. And I want you to know that each and every wise entrepreneur out there knows That is to say, be she the head of her own business or the leader of a family unit. These wise entrepreneurs have at least two exit strategies always in the back of their minds. Now, one of the exit strategies concerns either the transferring of a business and or a home or its value and or other major assets onto the next generation or selling the business or the home or the major assets at a profit when the business owner entrepreneur finds a new opportunity about which she is more passionate or she just might want to retire and spend more time with the grandkids or a new love interest or she might want to volunteer or just travel the globe once we get past this terrible pandemic. That's one strategy. And the other strategy that this wise entrepreneur has in mind is how to save her business and or her home and or her other major assets, if possible, 
when she personally and or the business falls on hard times. And I got to tell you, if we're truly honest with ourselves, we know that sooner or later, most businesses, and I'm going to say most family units, will fall on financial hard times at least once in their professional and or personal lives, be it an internal force that caused uh, the hard times, an imprudent uh, decision about finance, or an external uh, situation where the entrepreneur or, or head of the family had no, had nothing to do with the demise, such as being caught up in the middle of a pandemic. However, the very wise entrepreneur or leader of the family will not be ashamed to seek out professional help in order to gain access to and utilize part and parcel of our United States Constitution. And I'm talking about Article 1, Section 8, that deals with the basis of bankruptcy, and at least to attempt to save her business and or her home and or her other major assets. And that's why I practice bankruptcy law. I do so because I have a solid track record in sometimes pushing (laughs) and other times pulling my client across the litigation and or reorganization finish line as and have them maintain as many of their assets as the law allows, and just as importantly, to do so with their dignity intact. But I got to tell you, I do this, and sometimes I really piss off my client because I am relentless, and I get on their last nerve because I'll do what I must do to keep their case from being dismissed And sometimes that means smacking them upside the head figuratively to give me the information I need to defend their case. Now, in addition to my bankruptcy practice, I also practice, it's what I call its first cousin, that is to say debt wealth management, estates and trusts, real estate, and their offsprings, taxation law, because sooner or later, we all got to come and stand before the man and deal with our tax issues. And I'm also proud to say that as part of my practice, I also sometimes have the opportunity to at least attempt to seek out and vindicate the rights of seniors who find themselves the targets of some of the most vindictive forms of financial elder abuse you can imagine. So I'm coming to you again today in my continued voluntary lockdown until I get my second dose of COVID-19 in a couple weeks. And I'm doing this from my makeshift studio in my home in another great world-class city. That is to say the always beautiful city of Oakland, California. Now, uh, I got to tell you, because I'm coming from my home, I sometimes don't have (laughs) um, world-class facilities for my uh, podcast. And so I apologize for the poor quality of last week's podcast. And I'm doing all that I need to do to make sure going forward, we don't have that um, problem again. So. I must once again ask you to please note that this show does not provide any legal advice, nor am I developing an attorney-client relationship with anyone within the sound of my voice. Instead, this show strives strictly to serve as an educational forum for the exchange of information from me to you that might be helpful to you as you begin your search for more detailed information that's tailored to your specific set of facts and circumstances, and hopefully to provide you with at least an outline of some of the key issues that might help you seek out and find qualified professional help. 
especially if you need help dealing with a legal issue that intersects with your finances. Well, I do so because I'm known for saying, I believe representing yourself in a legal matter, but especially one concerning your financial assets, is just like taking a butter knife to a gunfight. If you're lucky and your adversary is napping, you can sneak up on her. And if you get real close, you might be able to scratch her on the arm with your butter knife or even poke her in the eye. But more than likely, you're the one that's going to be dead on arrival. That is to say, not you, the mortal being, but your valid claims and your righteous defenses will likely see the promised land way before you do. So once again, the purpose of Selwyn's Law, in case you haven't guessed it, is to discuss the law related to your money and more probably than not in these trying times, the lack thereof and your overall finances and what you may need to consider to protect your and or your families and or your business's financial health, wealth, and money-related well-being as I understand these concepts in a non-threatening educational form. So because the, the uh, um, recording was so bad last week, I want to give a recap of last week's topic. That's why we talked about the Restaurant Revitalization Fund which is the $28.6 billion, that's billion with a B, grant, not loan, the federal government program that's administrated by the Small Business Administration and developed to provide funding to help restaurants and other eligible businesses in the food and beverage service industry keep their doors open or reopen their doors if they had been closed. Temporarily. Now, this program will provide funding equal to the business's pandemic related revenue losses up to $10 million per business and no more than $5 million per physical location. And what kinds of businesses again? Restaurants, food trucks, food carts, caterers, bars, lounges inns and other bed and breakfast type facilities with an on-site food and beverage service provisioning space, as well as bakeries, breweries, wineries, tasting rooms and the like that make some of their sales directly to the public on-site. And those sales generate at least 33% of their operating revenue from these public sales. Now, recipients of these funds are not required to repay the funding. As long as the funds are used for eligible uses, no later than March 11, 2023, two years hence. Now, the online application process for gaining access to these grant funds began this past Monday, May the 3rd. And the application process will remain open to any eligible business in the food and beverage service industry until the funds are exhausted. And while any targeted business can, and I say should, apply, however, for the first 21 days of this program, that is to say through May 24th, a couple weeks hence, the SBA will only fund applications, which are, and I quote, where the applicant has self-certified 
that it meets the eligibility requirements for a small business owned by women, veterans, or socially and economically disadvantaged individuals. That's a a highfalutin way of saying blacks and browns and Latinos and Native Americans and others who are socially and economically disadvantaged, okay? So I recommend that any and all business in the food and beverage servicing industry go to sba.gov forward slash funding dash programs forward slash loans forward slash COVID-19 dash relief dash options slash restaurants dash revitalization dash funds. Or you can Google restaurant revitalization fund. It'll should take you to the SBA or you can go directly to SBA.gov and play around until you find the portal. Okay, go there to get more information and instructions on how to apply for these business sustaining funds. Now, when we come back, I want to share with you the outcome of a law case, a lawsuit that was decided this past Wednesday, May 5th, 2021, that will have an impact on millions of renters and not in a good way. I refer, of course, to the case of Alabama Association of Realtors versus the HHS, which stands for Health and Human Services Department of our federal government, that found that the moratorium on evictions issued by the Center for Disease Control was unconstitutional. And that was by a United States district judge sitting on the bench in Washington, D.C. But first, we're going to take a short break, and I'll see you on the other side. back to Selwyn's Law. Once again, your host, Selwyn Whitehead. Welcome back to Selwyn's Law. As we continue, or we begin, put it that way, today's topic, and that's on the case of Alabama Association of Realtors versus the Health and Human Services Department, that found that the moratorium on evictions issued by the Center for Disease Control to be unconstitutional. And that ruling was uh, determined by a United States District Court judge sitting on the bench in Washington, D.C. Now, I'm, I'm going to use um, an article that was published uh, in the Wall Street Journal the same day as the ruling because it really does a good job of capsulizing all of the information. Uh, it was reported by Andrew Ackerman and Brett Kendall in the Wall Street Journal on May 5th, 2021 at 5.40 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Now, they say that a federal judge threw out a national eviction moratorium Wednesday after concluding that it was legally unsupportable, thereby unpending a COVID-19 relief measure that has protected millions of tenants but created a substantial hardship for millions of landlords. Now, the Center for Disease Control and Prevention, citing public health grounds, had extended the moratorium through June, the end of June, for tenants who have fallen behind on their rent during the pandemic. But a series of conflicting lower court rulings had previously called into question the measure's uh, legality, and Wednesday decision 
is perhaps the biggest blow to Washington's efforts to provide eviction protection. The moratorium originated from an executive order that was signed by then-President Trump in September of last year. But Dabney Friedrich of the United States District Court for the District of Columbia said that while it was the role of the political branches of government to address the pandemic, current federal law on public health didn't give the Center for Disease Control broad authority to impose the moratorium. Now, because the plain language um, of the, the Public Health Service Act unambiguously forecloses a nationwide eviction moratorium, the court must set aside the CDC order. That was according to Judge Friedrich in her opinion. Now, the judge who happens to be a Trump appointee set aside the moratorium on a nationwide basis, rejecting the Justice Department request that any adverse ruling only apply to housing providers and realtor associations who bought the case. Again, it was brought by the realtors group uh, from Alabama. However, the court, as, as I just said, she issued a nationwide uh, lifting uh, of, of the eviction moratorium. Now, the ruling could make it easier for landlords to evict tenants who are in arrears. It is also a setback for the Biden administration's effort to synchronize the moratorium's planned expiration date of the end of June with the distribution of nearly $50 billion with a B in rental assistance that has already been authorized by Congress. The ruling also may embolden more state and local court systems to stop enforcing the eviction moratorium. Last month, Texas, its state court system, decided not to extend the enforcement of the CDC's moratorium in its evictions courts. Evictions resumed in some parts of Texas as a result of that decision by its court. Now, the Justice Department appealed Wednesday's rulings just hours after it was released to the U.S. Court of Appeals for the District of Columbia Circuit. The department also said it intended to seek an emergency stay of the ruling, which, if granted, would keep the moratorium in place for now. And just so you know, the court the next day, Judge Frederick did uh, extend an emergency stay through May 12th, where she gave the um, Alabama, uh, the landlord's group, an opportunity to weigh in on whether or not the, uh, the um, temporary stay should exceed past the 12th of May. Now, there's different opinions on, you know, what is effective in, in stomping out uh, uh, more and more of the spread of COVID-19. Now, scientific, again, the reporters go on to say, scientific evidence shows that evictions exacerbate the spread of COVID-19, which has already killed more than a half a million Americans. Now, I'm going to, you know, put a pin in it right here. Um, I have been reading sources that we might be 
under-reporting the number of deaths here in America. I, I am... I read a lot about a lot of stuff, but I'm really interested in COVID-19. And I got to tell you, some of the countries around this planet have been under-reporting the number of deaths, either intentionally or because they just don't know. But there is some evidence that perhaps we have been under-reporting the number of deaths in this country, and it might be closer to a million people that have died than the 500,000. But that's a, a story for another day. Uh, again, scientific evidence, getting back into to the Wall Street Journal article, scientific evidence shows that evictions exacerbate the spread of COVID-19, which has already killed, uh, according to this article, a half a million Americans. And the harm to the public that would result from unchecked evictions cannot be undone. Uh, that is what uh, Brian Boynton, who's the head of the Justice Department Civil Division that um, is filed the appeal and asked for the stay. Now, an analysis by the Urban Institute of Washington think tank found that the amount of unpaid rent could exceed $52 billion, billion with a B. And according to the Census Bureau survey conducted last month, about one in seven renters are now behind in their rental payments. And that's roughly three times the typical rate of of renters who are in arrears. So there is a connection with uh, the lack of income due to um, the uh, COVID-19 shutdown of businesses. So the moratorium protects tenants who have missed monthly rental payments from being forced out of their homes if they declare a financial hardship and document it and provide it to their landlord. Though originally set to expire on December 31st, 2020, Congress extended the moratorium in late January, and the CDC has twice extended the order itself through, again, the end of June. However, landlords say they have been unfairly squeezed financially by the moratorium, forced to provide free services to non-paying tenants. However, some bankruptcy experts warn that an abrupt end to the eviction moratorium could lead to a huge jump in bankruptcy filings, which has been kept in check by the various federal policies that have been let during this pandemic such as the deferral programs on student loans, mortgages, and of course, the topic of the day, the uh, rental moratorium. If all of a sudden tenants have to pay their back rent for say six, eight, or 10 months at once, you could see a dramatic increase in consumer bankruptcy filings nationwide. That according to Jonathan Carson, who's the CEO of Strato, a technology provider to the bankruptcy system, they, uh, just so you'll know, they produce uh, a a software suite known as Best Case to attorneys such as myself who use it to make filings uh, in federal courts. So getting back into the article, Judge Friedrich said that the CDC's power under the public health law to prevent the spread of diseases aren't limitless. Instead, the CDC's effort must focus on specific sources of infection when it determines that measures taken by state and local authorities are insufficient, she went on to say. The moratorium exceeded those boundaries, according to the judge. So I'm going to pose this to you because we've talked about this on our show. I'm concerned about tenants 
for financial and also health-related business uh, reasons. But I'm also a business, a small business attorney. Uh, I represent um, debtors, renters, but I also represent landlords. And there is, in my opinion, a squeeze on landlords, especially mom and pop landlords. So I'm going to ask you to think about it. What, what do you think is fair? I do know that there is some legislation pending in Washington to have a, man, uh, a moratorium, not only for the renters to pay rents, but also for the landlords to pay mortgages. Do you think that's fair? And if so, perhaps we should look at that as a potential answer, at least in the short term. Okay, so I'm going to leave it there for now, but always in closing here at Selwyn's Law, we always want to stay on the right side of the law, including the law dealing with the tension between renters and landlords in the midst of a pandemic. In the meantime, please stay, please stay safe. Please get vaccinated. Please keep your social distance, mask up, and wash your hands. Till next time, take care. Thank you for taking the time to listen to Selwyn's Law. Remember, the law office of Selwyn Whitehead is a designated debt relief agency under the federal law and provides legal assistance to consumers seeking relief under the bankruptcy code. When it comes to your finances and your rights, seek no other than the law office of Selwyn Whitehead. Selwyn is your go-to finance attorney, specializing in estate planning, wealth management, bankruptcy, tax, and real estate law. In other words, Selwyn knows her way around the dollar, and your rights are protected by our laws. Protect your money. Know your rights. Partner with Selwyn Whitehead. For immediate assistance, or if you have questions, call 510-633-1276, 510-633-1276, or go to selwynwhitehead.com. The preceding paid program is sponsored by the law office of Selwyn Whitehead, who is solely responsible for its content.